Just a quick note before we begin, the wonderful Rabia Chowdhury has offered to join James and I on the 72-hour fast in order to raise funds to help free Adnan Sayed. We would encourage everybody who hasn't had the opportunity to donate so far, please dig deep. The smallest donation, guys, makes a massive difference. So dig deep. If you have donated already and you want to spread the word far and wide, tell your friends, tell your family. We want to push this as far as we can to get as many donations donations as we can towards the cause of freeing Adnan Saeed. COVID-19 has put a lot of financial strain on all of us, including James and myself. We would encourage everybody, no matter if it's just foregoing your morning coffee, anything that you can donate will be greatly appreciated. And I promise you will have a warm glow for the rest of the day, knowing that you've done your random act of kindness. Let's make a difference, people. Dig deep, donate, and let's free Adnan Saeed. Welcome to My Friend Has Never Listened to a Podcast. Believe it or not, up until recently, my friend James had never listened to a podcast. However, my co-host Ollie is totally addicted to podcasts. And the aim of this podcast is for her to convince me that my life is not complete without the minute. So each week she'll be offering me a new podcast to listen to and we'll be reviewing it here on the show. Ollie is a bit of a nerd. She's got multiple degrees in lots of different things. She's got degrees in things like philosophy, psychology, and she currently works as a business psychologist. She's also an associate lecturer at Central Queensland University, and you'll have heard her accent. You'll know where she's from. She's a huge Manchester United fan. <laughs> My co-host James is a Kiwi living in Brisbane. He runs his own cultural transformation consultancy. He loves all sport and exercise, but is also a bit of a foodie. And it's really hard. <laughs> He's a former actor, and like most Kiwis, he goes for the All Blacks. Just have to. Now, uh, Ollie, last week we were introduced to a series, Undisclosed. After Serial, you, you introduced me to this world of Undisclosed, which is all about three lawyers basically breaking down this, not only the Serial podcast, but also the case against Adnan Saeed and really fleshing into all the details they were bringing out different testimonies, different witness accounts, and they just really, the, the huge detail that Colin, Rabia and Susan go into. Oh, can I say, I googled minutiae that I mentioned last week, and it is a word. <laughs> So they do. They go right into the minutiae. The, yeah, well, there's there's a new word. That's my word. That's going to be my word of the day. Um, the minutiae. Amazing lawyers that just really hell bent on justice. Because of that, they will go into the real, real nitty gritty that most people might sort of steer away from. And in this week's podcast, what we're going to be discussing are episodes ten through seventeen of the Undisclosed podcast, season one. The State Against Adnan Saeed. Also, on top of that, The Case Against Adnan Saeed, episodes one through four. So we've got a lot of content to get through. We will be mm. keeping it really high level. There will be spoilers in today's podcast. So if you would prefer to go away and listen to the podcast first and then come back and join us, you're welcome to do that. However, if you want a bit of an overview or synopsis first, feel free to stick around. Just be, be aware that there are a few spoilers. This is a really good podcast for anybody who hasn't listened to the whole of Serial and the whole of Undisclosed. Because what James and I are going to provide in this episode is a really high level overview of where we are to date. What evidence matters and what evidence doesn't. As things currently stand, 
there are no pending court cases. Adnan is still in prison. There isn't something on the calendar coming up where Adnan might actually get his freedom, which is why we're making this podcast, because it's absolutely so important that we keep this fight going and we keep the momentum going. Because as you know, James, it is my belief that the state are just going through all kinds of legislative rabbit holes to desperately keep Adnan in prison because they don't think they would be able to retry him and find him guilty. And it's definitely one of the trickiest things, being someone who's brought into this podcast, at, you know, Serial and Undisclosed have been around for a while now, trying to figure out where things are up to as you're listening to it. And so I'm listening to episodes 10 through 17 and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, that's awesome. That's awesome information. That's really good things. That's going to come up. That's going to be used against the state and it's going to get Adnan to be free. And then a couple of episodes later, you're like, oh, that actually didn't do anything. It it wasn't relevant. Like the state didn't care about it at all. So listening to a historical podcast where it's historical in terms of how long it's been around, but it still is a current case that that can be it sometimes a little confusing in terms of knowing where we're up to now, what's relevant and what's now been determined to be unrelevant or non-relevant. It's not going to get another new case, uh, a new trial. and. That's why I was so happy when Undisclosed decided to relaunch the first couple of episodes of Adnan's case. We need to keep this momentum up and just because there's nothing currently pending, we need to keep this fight alive because this is how people get forgotten about in prison. I remember when Serial came out, there was this Mm. all big hype around Adnan Sayed and now because the state are wearing us down, we have to keep the passion and the momentum and the determination to get Adnan a new trial And we're going to keep this conversation going, James. This is the thing, just to remind our listeners, you can tell how passionate Ollie is about this. You would have heard her letter that she's written. She's got that free Adnan t-shirt. Like, she's a a massive advocate for getting Adnan a new trial. Like, and from my experience with the podcast so far, I'm I'm, I'm on the same page. Woo-woo! If nothing else, if nothing else, this gentleman deserves a new trial because... The one that he had back in 1999-2000 just was so ineffective and the, the holes are just everywhere. And that's what Colin, Rabia and Susan do extremely well. They expose those holes and they show show people exactly what's happening. Great. Just so our listeners are aware, we are looking at episodes through, just to reiterate, 10 to 17. And we are also then looking at The Case Against Adnan Saeed, episodes 1 to 4. Now, if you saw it on HBO or you saw the documentary last year, you may be familiar with The Case Against Adnan Saeed. It was a four-part miniseries that HBO actually released. Off the back of Serial, loads of budget, time, investigative research went into this series and the Case Against Adnan Saeed, episodes one to four, are part of the Undisclosed podcast and they sit separately to season one, The State versus Adnan Saeed. So it's a little bit technical there, but to separate them out, you've got The State Against Adnan Saeed, which is season one of Undisclosed, and then as an addition... You've also got their recap and review of the case against Adnan Seed, which is the HBO series. So yeah, yeah, just so we're on the same page. Thanks for clarifying that, James, because for me, because I've been listening to Undisclosed since the beginning, it just flows through Adnan's case (laughs) and then all the other cases that they cover. And then occasionally they'll drop a random update about Adnan. So it's been much easier for those of us that have followed since day dot. But I I can only imagine the challenges you've had going back through the hundreds and hundreds of episodes of Undisclosed 
undisclosed, trying to find the relevant ones for this podcast. Yeah, and this is where I think if you're on this journey with me and you're new to podcasts, you are going to be scrolling right back to the beginning. And once you scroll back to the beginning, it's then finding the podcasts that are relevant and you need to download those ones. And this is where the videos that you might have seen come out recently, which are all about teaching you how to navigate the world of podcasting, are actually what we hope come in handy. I know that when I first started looking at it, I didn't know how to subscribe to a podcast. And those videos you might have seen on our social media page, that they're all aimed at helping you to navigate the podcast world a lot more seamlessly, like Ollie probably does, as opposed to how I'm currently doing at the moment. So yeah, the goal is that we can all get up to speed and all, all, all know how to navigate podcasts really, really effectively. Beautiful. But yeah, without further ado, I reckon we should we should jump into the undisclosed part two. Excellent. Okay, so today, James, what I would really like to discuss with you is the parts of the case that for me deserve attention and also the parts that are potentially considered by the legal system as evidence to be reconsidered. So noteworthy kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's yeah. a huge difference because I'll just run through briefly the topics that I think we, we should discuss one of the big ticket items in terms of could Adnan get a new trial is mm. the testimony of Asia McLean. So yeah. what do you think about this witness library or the library witness, James? For me, I just so I'm still baffled from serial through to now as to why it was never explored more in depth. And it just felt like it was a massive missing piece to the jigsaw that was left. And, you know, I think Susan, Colin, and Rabia definitely delve into it. They look at perhaps the inadequacy of Christina Gutierrez, or as they like to refer to her, old Tina. The Goots. Old <laughs> um, Goots. So, you know, they've got perhaps her failings as a, as a legal counsel. You've got the fact that Asia McLean might have had some standover tactics performed on her by the state side and people basically saying, look, we've got DNA evidence against him. and People lying on the stand. Are you sure you should be coming in to, to testify? Like, she's, I think she's had a bit of a hard run, but this is someone who's always documented phone calls with people, someone who's always been quite comfortable writing. So those letters that she wrote back then would have just, all I can take them as is a young teenage girl. Back in the 90s, it was really common to write things, right? Mm -hmm. We wouldn't, phones weren't as popular. So she wrote a letter basically saying, I saw you on that day and I'm happy to, to verify that. Where it became real awkward and why I think it might have got overlooked is because at the time, no one really knew when Hay was suspected to have been murdered. And a lot of people thought it happened after the time that Asia claims to have seen Adnan. So no one really thought of it as relevant. The state actually didn't release any time frame to Tina. They didn't say this is when she was murdered. So it would have been hard for Tina to actually know when somebody was an alibi and when they weren't. What was useful and what wasn't. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you've got this girl who says she saw... Adnan at 2.46, you know, around that time, or what's it been, 2.36. And you fast forward to the actual case, um, you know, the trial, and the police are saying, well, yeah, Hay was murdered at 2.46. All of a sudden, this idea of Hay being killed after three o'clock, compl- that timeline completely shifts. And now this statement from Asia becomes extremely, extremely important and yet was never never utilised. So I'd be really happy to hear if that, that statement now becomes something that could actually help Adnan to, to be free. Like, I'd be really pleasantly surprised if, if they allowed that. Is there any indication that, that kind of testimony won't be hold up in court, Ollie? Or is oh, is, if is... there was a new trial, then definitely, I'm sure Asia would be a willing witness. 
but we have to get the, the state to give Adnan a new trial. Mm. And what did you think about, obviously, the episodes that you've listened to since last week? You're probably now much more familiar with some of Tina's health challenges whilst representing Adnan. And what do yeah. you think about some of the ineffective assistance of counsel claims against Tina? Totally valid from what I can see. In one of the episodes that you'll hear in this week's, uh, in, in part two of Undisclosed, they actually delve into, you know, how Tina Gutierrez actually came to be a lawyer. And you find out this was a girl who actually had a criminal record herself, but the criminal record she'd actually put down under someone else's name at the time. All that's irrelevant. She then goes on to kind of sit the bar, doesn't even mention the fact that she's had these kind of cases against her, but then becomes a bit of a pit bull lawyer. So she becomes this lawyer that's uh, renowned for being extremely quite aggressive in her approach, but it does pretty well. So she had a good name for herself. However, they then form the story that looks at the decline of Tina Gutierrez's health and you see this really effective lawyer's record kind of start taking a gradual slow decline so this is in the lead up to her representing Adnan Saeed so although she had been a really effective lawyer if you look at the last two years kind of before her interaction with Adnan Saeed you actually see a slight decrease in the amount of cases that she was winning and it's actually presented to you at the time that she had multiple other cases on the go at the time she was representing Adnan Saeed. Death penalty cases. Yeah, so I think they said it's somewhat like eight, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a quite a s- significant number. And if your head's in all those different places at the same time, I don't know if she was representing Adnan as effectively as she could have been. So Agreed. yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's my, that's my thoughts anyway. Yep. When you hear Rabia talking about the things that she did do well, like constantly getting money from the families, she focused on some aspects of her profession and she obviously dropped the ball on many others, including Asia McLean. And there there was evidence to support the fact that she was ripping families off, Mm -hmm. that she was charging large amounts of money and asking for it in cash. So so there's all these kind of speculations as well that then form this narrative and you're like, whoa, was she effective? Like, and what I've landed on is no. Like, I don't think she was as effective as she could have been. And she didn't even ask the state for a plea deal before they went to trial. And Adnan had specifically asked for one, having spoken to a few prisoners who said, you should probably check that out because that might be the best way for you to go forward. And she never did that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and what's interesting then, like, so you're talking about Gutierrez, but then as I was listening to episodes 10 through 17, I just had all these things coming to my mind like, oh yeah, that's going to be really interesting. And I'd like to see how that played out because, you know, you hear that Jay was suspected to have been the person that received the $3,000 Crime Stoppers uh-huh. reward. And you're like, well, hold up. So you've got this dude who rings up <laughs> Crime Stoppers, gets paid $3,000 for his testimony, and then ends up being like the leading witness in the state's case. It's like... You have to disclose that kind of information. It feels like it should be, right? And then, then all of a sudden they're like, well... Actually, that's irrelevant. That, from a legal perspective, mm. the, the American law system's like, that's irrelevant. I'm like, how is that irrelevant? Like, <laughs> if, I, if I got paid three grand, I'd be pretty sure I'd be like, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. I'll let you know, like... <laughs> James is cheap, people. If you need I'm an worth alibi. a lot more than three grand, people. I'm worth a lot more than three grand. But it's that that notion, right? That if you're being paid to do something and you've got no moral compass, that it could be quite easy to just be like, yeah, sure, I'll say that. And that wasn't the only thing, obviously, about Jay. God, we could do a whole podcast on Jay alone. But what was really interesting to me was what were the consequences for Jay if he didn't testify? So and what are your thoughts it. on that? I'm going to put this out there for our listeners. You are brought into the police station around a suspected murder case. You're told that, look, we think you did it. And unless you say that someone else did, 
and you create help us create this narrative, you're going to be tried. You're going to be tried in front of a white jury and you'll probably be executed because you you know you'll you'll be up for the death penalty. Now if that's what you were brought into as, you know, a black American man, fair to say that you might go, okay, well, what do you want me to say, right? Like if you were told that your only other option was you being convicted of this unless you did X, Y, and Z, might you respond in a real similar way to Jay? Like I think there'd be a lot of people out there that would all. So I, I don't know, like it's, I don't at all condone it, but I feel as though there's, I felt like he was backed into a corner. Yeah, I definitely went from being quite angry at Jay to feeling very sorry for Jay learning mm. about this case. Yeah, there is an element of Jay being a massive victim in this as well. Yeah. The victim of police corruption corruption that's the word right like it is it's another police corruption case and if you look at it there's so many similarities between what happened in shreds in episode Mm -hmm. four and what's happening in the state versus adnan Said. it's mental like and it's happening all around the world one happened in the uk this one's happening in america and as we've talked about before these kind of cases happen all around the world these cops have just got to get their cases closed james so i'll do whatever it takes it's not about justice it's about not having any open cases on my desk and that's the sad thing right you then do some research into these police officers and they had the highest rates of case closures in the state. They had the highest rates of police, like of, of case closures, which means that we just need to get it closed so that we can yeah. move on to the next one. And I'm assuming, it's only an assumption, that there must be some sort of bonus scheme attached to case closures or some sort of KPI. Well, some of them were fraudulently claiming hours that they'd worked that they hadn't. So oh. it wouldn't be too far of a stretch, James. So what are your thoughts around how race played a role in Adnan's eventual conviction. I think the fact that Rabia is one of the hosts of this podcast, you get a real constant reminder that race played a huge part. Mm -hmm. Anti-Muslim agendas were a big kind of motivating factor in what you saw the state doing in terms of trying to pinpoint this in Adnan Saeed. Now you've got the alternative, right? The current boyfriend who is a white Caucasian male who has a job at lens crafters yet very very little focus or attention put on him and why all you can understand from what susan colin and rabia find out is that it didn't suit the police's narrative what what suited the police's narrative was to go after this muslim boy who was obviously another pakistani honor killer who if left to his own devices would flee back to pakistan and never face the consequences of what he did it's pretty full-on i don't know for me it's really telling you know you've got what's going on at the moment we're recording this amidst what's happening with George Floyd at the moment. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to, I suppose, I'd love to sort of share our opinion, Ollie, like we 100% believe that Black Lives Matter and it doesn't seem like that was happening in this case. Like it really feels as though two people of colour, you've got Adnan Saeed himself and also then Jay as well, both victims to racial profiling and therefore prejudice from the police. Could you just share your thoughts on Don's alibi? Now, massive spoiler alert here, but oh my God, my <laughs> mind was blowing, Ollie. Like, you've got a dude whose alibi was that he was working. Now, he wasn't working at his usual shop. He was working at a different store, apparently. Then you find out that the person who corroborated his alibi was his mother. Now, here's where I, you might need to fill me in on here, Ollie, because at one stage they talk about it being his mother that worked at Lenscrafters and then another time they talked about his stepmother working at Lenscrafters did both his mother and his stepmother work at Lenscrafters or were they talking about the same person no no two separate people yeah okay so his mother then was his alibi at Lenscrafters and then at the other Lenscrafters the manager of the store was his stepmother I'm now like I'm 
I'm a bit blown away. But regardless, someone way too close to Don's family was the corroborating witness to his, you know, his alibi, which I'm pretty sure doesn't stand up in a court of law. And had it been explored, could have been something that totally debunked his alibi and then maybe would have been reason to explore where he was and what he was doing a little bit more aggressively but they've left it too long they didn't go into it they didn't even bother to shine a light in in that direction they just made a phone call and somebody read off the hours that he had worked but obviously we now know the problems with that timesheet are there appears to be two employee id numbers for don and we were not sure that he actually got paid the overtime which he probably should have done if he had worked the hours that he claimed he did on top of that the the timesheet looks as though someone from a managerial position had gone in and actually altered it so it wasn't the official record of what he was supposed to be working but it was just someone had gone and added that in because normally timesheets add up and his Mm. doesn't it's like the hours were altered not even to mention the fact that the store that he was working at did not require his skill set that day so why was he required to be there anyway so here's your pay for that month here's the hours that you worked but hang on there's a little blip in your working hours where it says here that you've done extra hours but then you weren't paid for that that month so uh it just that would have been a good line for the police to go down we just will never know and that's the most frustrating thing about this thing with don is that they have left because they shown they the only effort they put into it was making a phone call to the manager of that store and the person on the other line was like yeah he was working they're like thanks okay cool <laughs> and they just carry on with it it's like they were just looking to tick a box yeah somebody actually yeah. underlined the fact to say look at this timesheet and these and underlined the fact that the person that signed off is his mother so even they were like this could be a little bit dodge yeah totally oh it's just frustrating and don didn't want to be part of any of the following investigations and all we hear about now is the fact that don is basically terminally ill yeah he's gone on he's lived a life for me it just puts this huge question mark about well what was don doing i don't know well that is that's the thing what was don doing the fact that the police couldn't get hold of him Mm. during the hours when we now think that hay might have been being buried based on the lividity evidence so in order to try and keep us moving what are your thoughts on the lividity evidence that has since come out so we did touch on it in last week's episode Uh because there was a whole at the beginning of Undisclosed there's a whole episode on the forensic evidence around a body being in the backseat of a car and if it's there for a certain amount of time in the boot how, in the boot sorry uh, and if it's there for you know a certain amount of time when rigor mortis kicks in and all those kind of scientific terms around like the CSI kind of stuff of it there's no way that the way Hayes right up my alley all that stuff yeah ex- exactly right but there's no way that that the way Hayes' body looked when they found it was representative of a body that had been in the back of a car for only four hours. Like mm-hmm. the way that her body had formed would have had her in the boot of a car for, they said, like upwards of eight hours because she had to know, be face down, probably flat. Yeah. And so it doesn't doesn't fit the state's timeline. So exactly. Yeah, we touched on it last week, but it, it's relevant, right? Like it's one of these things that throughout it all. And what's interesting, Ollie, is that that's still one of the things that could potentially be beneficial to Adnan, right? Mm-hmm. The if it was to go back to court, the lividity, also the the DNA testing. So yeah. none of the DNA found on those products around hay at the time. Uh, actually had Adnan's DNA in it. It's got someone's DNA in it, but they don't know whose it is and they haven't tested for it. So 
who knows but they haven't tested don so ah. there's a there's a really cool episode in the case against adnan saeed where i just have to talk about it, ollie it was the prisoner episode oh i love the that prisoner's episode. dilemma yeah it was really cool and you you basically had a bunch of prisoners that had listened to the podcast and she gave me flashbacks of air hustle because i'm like <laughs> listening to these people who are just have obviously had a lot of time and a lot of them felt like they were in really similar positions to adnan you know that they, they weren't guilty and they felt like they were in prison wrongfully there's a lot of conversation around confirmation bias and then there's a lady that actually runs this this group at the prison called Kendra do you remember her Ollie I do she was the lady Kendra. yeah so she, Kendra was awesome like I just found her to be one of those ladies who was all about justice and she get, she reminded me a little bit of Nigel Poor like you know so mm. you've got that kind of lady who's just willing to give her time and effort and energy because she feels that these prisoners deserve a better life they talked about the system in a really interesting way so but then what I found shocking is they weren't surprised at all that Adnan was in prison they were like oh yeah when the state of made their mind up of course you're gonna go to prison like they'll say whatever you need to to get them behind bars and i was like wow what's going on here it just makes you wonder how many people are in similar situations to that right and this is where they tap into like Bilal, and then you hear about oh, Bilal yeah. being that so the guy that just disappeared who at one stage could validate where adnan was and then the police kind of talked to him a couple of times bring him in for questioning and then he disappeared mm -hmm. like he actually left the country not able to testify adnan's case if you read rabia's book though you learn heaps more about the story behind Bilal. Well, uh, yeah, so um, you, they touch on it. So, you know, the suspected child fiddling and the fact that he was found in an incriminating position with a minor. And although he was found in an incriminating position with a minor, the police then chose to let that go. And surprisingly, Bilal didn't testify. It's just, oh, it's just... It's just frustrating as hell listening to some of the ways that these things went down. Anyway, we could go episode by episode, but yeah, these are just some kind of high level things about what that I've really found stood out to me through the episodes 10 to 17. How about the grass where Hayes' car was found? Ooh, I didn't know that there was, what, what, it's not called a turf scientist and it's not called a turfologist. It's like a turfesiologist or <laughs> something along those lines. That is someone who basically studies rust. And so there's these people out there that are experts in that stuff. And they brought in one of these experts to actually try and understand how could Hayes car have been where it was said to have been for six weeks without the grass on the wheel going brown and without the grass underneath it. And he's basically said it's not possible. What the, what the, I'm going to call him the grass expert, the turfologist, what he basically said is there's only way, the maximum amount of time from his scientific perspective that that car could have been there for was a week, max. He said from a day, he, he's assuming from a day to a maximum of a week, there's no way that that car could have been there for six weeks. That just speaks to massive potential police corruption. Because if they've moved that vehicle there to suit their case, what other links are they willing to go to to make sure that this Adnan's case doesn't go back to trial. It makes me really, really worried. And again, flicks back to that episode around, what was your favourite show? Oh, The Wire. Yeah, so it makes me think about The Wire. But that's, and not even to mention the fact that it, this was the only car that didn't have a steering lock on it, yet didn't get stolen. And even though... In a neighbourhood of high crime. Yeah, and the neighbours always reported cars that were left there for long periods of time, and yet they just overlooked this one. Ugh, it's, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating. Talking about frustrating, um, 
what everything if uh, <laughs> if you were a prosecutor in the future james would you or would you not bring in the cell tower evidence based on what you now know no i wouldn't Why not? i don't think it i don't think it holds because the way in which phone calls can triangulate to towers you are most recently at so you know if i was in brisbane right now and i caught a plane from here to perth and the last place my phone had been connected was in Brisbane. And then five hours, six hours, seven hours later, I still haven't used my phone, but I'm now in Perth. They could basically say that because of that, I was in Brisbane at that particular time when technically I've driven or flown, you know, a, a, an incredible distance. I find what's really interesting is cell tower pings are not obviously great for detecting location, mm. but cell phones now or mobile phones as we call them, are used all the time in trying to determine people's location because the fact that we have Google and Google Maps running, apparently that's actually recording our, our location very accurately every second. It is, but, and there's still glitches. And I think this is the thing that we need to consider with technology, nothing's perfect. It's and Ollie, I have to tell you, it's not a science yet because it's, it hasn't been validated. Mm. So where we're up to at the moment, James, is Theory Vigna Rogers, who is the prosecutor, is now working pro bono on any future appeals in order to maintain this state of what he refers to as finality that Adnan was found guilty by a jury he has to stay in prison for that reason what are your thoughts on Mr Vigna Rogers keeping it PC oh I can't (laughs) (laughs) I've said it many times through this podcast it is absolutely frustrating that this kind of practice is allowed where this man who's now gone off to run for mayor in Baltimore would rather see an innocent man stay in jail Because if Adnan's case got turned over and then he was to win, my thoughts in theory is that that could actually overturn a lot of cases in the state of Baltimore and bring, you know, a lot of potential other cases back to the light. It would serve as then precedence for other cases to come, you know, back into trial and see a lot of potentially innocent people free again. But what it would do to his reputation is ex- like massively decline, right? All of his way that he's built his way up to where he is would totally be undone. And I just feel that these people are advancing off the backs of these horrific injustices. And that's the most PC way I could say of my feelings. Nice. Well done. That was very PC, James. What are your thoughts, Ollie? That you must have a uh, you must have some sort of opinion on this man. I think there are lots of pressures at play on all of the people involved in the case. In I think the police are under a lot of pressure. I think that Theory Vigna Rogers. So my thoughts on people like Theory in this situation is that they're under a lot of pressure that we're probably not aware of. I think the Mm. police are probably in the same boat. And what it does is it encourages people to embark on behaviors that are either corrupt or ethically wrong. And part of me does think that theory believes that what he's doing is he's doing his job, which is they were found guilty and Adnan should remain in prison. The problem is it was only last year that they offered Adnan Alfred plea, which is basically saying, if you say, yes, you did it, we will release you in four years. Now let's talk a little bit about this plea deal and then, you know, where we are today right now. Kind of, you know, it's it's painful now to look at it, knowing that we recently lost in the Court of Appeals decision that if you pled guilty and served four more years, that would be it. When Adon talked to me about it, he said to me, he's like, it's not a matter of the four years. He's like, I don't care. I'll, he's like, I'll serve four more years. Uh, he, he said, I just cannot stand up and 
and take responsibility for something I didn't do. He's like, I can't say I'm guilty. There are things I take into consideration. It's just what they're offering is just so bad, you know, it's so unreasonable. They're going to want me to stand in court and say, listen, I did it. I lied to my mom and dad. I lied to Sarah Koenig. I lied to Ravia. I lied to Amy Byrne. When I was a kid, they threatened to take away my future, take me away from my family, take away the opportunity I would have to go to school or get married and have kids, just to have my freedom, you know, and they made good on that threat. Now it's a lot different. You know, that's because I don't really have anything they can take away from me anymore. Specifically relaying this because Adnan asked me to specifically tell everybody once this became public, he said people are going to ask whether or not. I'm sorry. He said people are going to ask whether or not I regret not taking the plea, given that we just lost. And he said, tell them I don't. He said, I don't, because in that moment, that was the right thing to do. And he's right. So, you know, it just means that a different outcome is is meant to happen, so. But it's not easy. I hate Alfred, please. They're like the biggest oxymoron around. You have to say you did it, even though maybe you didn't. And in that way, you can never come back on us for having originally prosecuted you and imprisoned you it's an admission of mistake like it is an admission that you made you stuffed up and because we're admitting that but we don't ever want anything to negatively impact us we're going to make you sign this thing saying that you say you did it so that even if in 10 years time you change your mind you can never come back and say ah but you guys kept me in jail for you know wrongly kept me in prison and what really what really gets me about this is if Adnan had said he was guilty from the beginning because Mm. he was only 17 at the time he would probably be out now but because he's protested his innocence he's still there he's still holding his innocence strong and for that he's consistently getting punished and that's what really gets me is somebody who the only person this whole story in my personal belief who has been consistently honest and truthful is being the person who has been the most persecuted yeah and that's what i hate about these systems that we've built where it says if you do the right thing you will be punished whereas if you are a snake and you allow yourself to be influenced by these negative outside forces you'll probably do really well for yourself and you'll never serve a day in prison if at any time he could have yep i was there or and what we're looking at is someone who's not lying who's not making things up so he could have and and why i can say that what i feel to be wholeheartedly is because even at times where it would have actually benefited him to make a white lie or to just say that yeah something like that happened and it would have actually benefited him he didn't do it yeah and that just says that he's been keeping that honest stance the whole time and to be honest i was actually happy when i heard that he didn't take that alfred plea i was not happy that he's still there but happy at the fact that nah I'm not going to say that I did something just so that you guys don't, you know, just so that there's no chance of it coming back on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if he does get back to trial and if he does get out, he could come hell for leather. Like, like he could literally. Oh, maybe not in Baltimore, though. On the state? Like, Maryland, uh, they have, I mean, every single state has different laws. But it's, I don't know if it's about that, James. I think it is just get the poor guy out, give him a new trial or let him go. And that's why I just think 
Adnan didn't take the plea and I just want to say that we are not giving up on you Adnan we are going to stand strong with you you were strong in the face of your freedom you could have had your freedom in four years don't worry buddy we are all still here fighting for you and we won't let the state wear us down or go down even more we can go down all the litigate or all the rabbit holes that theory wants to but we will always be there supporting you and supporting the truth oh look at you on that note James how cool is it that they got John Cryer involved in some of the addendums? Amazing. If you haven't seen or you don't know who John Cryer is by name, you'd know him by reputation. Sure. So he is one of the, well, he's the longest running cast member of Two and a Half Men. He is. Did you the, Google that? No, 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 no. I'm just thinking because Charlie Sheen left and Ashton Kutcher came in. So he uh-huh. actually ended up staying. Yeah. John Cryer is the, plays the father, the brother of Charlie Sheen in Two and a Half Men. I, I don't know his character's name. I want to say Andy, but I feel like that's wrong. So John Cryer, he's obviously got a celebrity profile. He's also a stand-up comedian and he's been around for a long time, but a massive Adnan Saeed supporter. So he's actually lent his time and effort and energy towards actually recording some of the addendums for Undisclosed. He actually then is a co-host on some of the episodes of The Case versus Adnan Saeed. It's really nice to hear that this case has had such a widespread impact that people of all positions, power, reputation have kind of got involved. Good on it's him. Just, yeah, it's really, really cool that he's given a hand and you hear him say that, you know, the money that he's making from this, he's actually donating back to the Adnan Saeed case. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah, he's cool. What a legend. If you come across somebody like yourself who has never listened to a podcast, mm. what would you recommend to them in order to get them involved with the Adnan Saeed case and bring them up to date? What is the best route for them to take to fully understand what's happened, what's gone on, what the state have done in order for them to get involved in an effective way in 2020? Well, so I think definitely what you've done, Ollie, you've introduced me to First Serial, which is the the thing that launched this all for, you know, the whole conversation to start. Sarah Koenig did a fantastic job. However, then in much more detail, you've got Rabia, who was the one who first had that conversation with Sarah Koenig to get it all started, who runs Undisclosed with Susan and Colin, and they just delve into it in such detail. What I think also would be really important for someone who's trying to get their head around kind of the Adnan C case, it has been going on now for 21 years. So it's been going on for a hell of a long time. There's been, if you start listening to the Serial podcast, you're going back to 1999, but then you're jumping forward to 2000. And yeah, so you're looking at a massive timeline. So one thing I think you can do really well that will help you while you're listening to these podcasts to stay across kind of what's current and what's relevant is actually the undisclosed website that they've set up. So yeah. if you go there, you've got everything in kind of like chronological order. You've got uh, supporting photos and videos and documents that they've actually brought together that they, that they reference through the podcast. So I think that that would be a, a really good way to really stay across exactly what's happening because it does bounce back and forward quite a lot. There's also lots of different like groups you can get involved with that I've come across, which is, you know, there's Facebook groups that, you know, are supporting uh, Adnan Saeed and, and his case. So that would be my thoughts. If, you, if you're someone that's wanting to get across what's actually happened to Adnan Saeed in detail, it would be serial, it would be undisclosed, it would be going to the undisclosed website, looking at the supporting documents, and also just seeing what other kind of like community groups are out there that are still actively supporting Adnan Saeed in his quest for freedom. And if you're more of a visual person, there is the HBO doco Yeah, as well. Yeah, so the case against Adnan Saeed. Ollie, who would you recommend this podcast to? Everyone. <laughs> 
everybody needs to know about these kinds of injustices and I'm sure all of us would agree that if we were wrongly imprisoned because there was no evidence we would want people to fight on our behalf so I see it as my social my social responsibility to fight to help Adnan get a new trial. So I believe everybody should listen to it, whether you listen to podcasts or not, whether you're interested in true crime or not, whether if you are a human being, you should listen and be You get something out of this podcast. And yeah. be appalled. Mm. All right, Ollie. So from my perspective, I'd recommend this podcast to anyone who's interested in learning about the American justice system, anyone who's interested in, you know, basic human rights. Uh, anyone who's interested in law, I think it's a really fantastic podcast for delving oh, for into sure. like lots of legal terms and lots of scientific definitions of things. And you can really get your nerd on this podcast and yeah. it allows you to do that. Now, Ollie, you are a lady of many podcasts. So not only were you listening to Undisclosed this week for probably like the seventh time, <laughs> you also were listening to some others. So let's have a look at what else Ollie's listening to this week. There is a podcast that I consistently listen to every time they drop an episode because I absolutely love the hosts and they educate me and they also have me in hysterics on a regular basis. And the podcast is called Getting Off. Okay. <laughs> hosted by, and this will make more sense, it's hosted by two defense attorneys based in America. And Jessa and Nick are the funniest hosts in terms of they don't care about production, James. They they often say, don't contact us about the lack of editing of our podcast because we don't <laughs> care. And as they're saying that, you can hear them pouring the wine. Classic. Because they like to, they like to record whilst they're having a, a drink. What I love about them is they are both highly intelligent. They are very skillful at being able to explore different um, legal cases in oh getting off like that sorry getting <laughs> off yeah yes James getting off in terms of they really helped me challenge my perception of defense attorneys because I used to think oh def defense attorneys they must not be able to sleep at night because they are knowingly getting these guilty people off and through listening to their podcast they've really educated me on how when they do their job well what they're doing is they're forcing the the police and prosecution service to do a better job of finding mm. better evidence so that guilty people can't get off and some of my favorite episodes that they've covered have just really that's a really interesting way of looking oh at it sorry God. that just like yeah that because i've never thought about it like that yeah. that it's, it's forcing them to just make it provable beyond a shadow oh my of God. A doubt. if adnan yeah. had had jessa and nick as his defense wow. attorneys, I'm telling you now, that guy <laughs> would never have been found guilty. Absolutely, in my opinion, no way he would yeah. have been found guilty. So one of my favorite episodes was when I learned all about incels, which I'd never heard of before. Mm. And these are people who are part of what they call an involuntary celibacy group. And basically what they do is yeah. they're really struggling. These men are really struggling to find their sexual partners that they desire. And they create all these, I mean, it's it's a hate group, basically. And quite a few of them have committed mass murders on the back of their beliefs that they should have access to these women. And they feel disgruntled and hard done by by the fact that they're not they're not the ones that get all the girls. The way that Jessa and Nick present some of the cases around incel mass murders is fascinating. And they did a fascinating episode after. Do you know who Kobe Bryant is? Yeah, 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 of course. Who died in the, the chopper crash. 
Yeah, yeah. They did a fascinating episode on the case where he was accused of raping one uh, somebody who worked in a hotel. Mm. And the way they present information I find intriguing and they do such a good job in laying out why people react the way they do and I I learn heaps when I listen to their podcast about things that I never knew about because I couldn't understand why after Kobe Bryant's death some people were really devastated because I didn't know who he was some people were really devastated and then other people were like well you've got to remember that he was actually accused of raping someone and Mm. then other people responded very aggressively to that person saying don't say that about our hero yeah yeah Jessica and nick do a they do a fabulous job of just delving into all of the legal battles the really interesting parts of legal battles so anybody yeah, cool. who and they're just hilarious mm. if you are offended by swearing probably don't listen to getting <laughs> off because some of their language is quite colorful and jessa does not apologize for it which i also love about her yeah cool no that sounds awesome well, I suppose it leaves us with one final question then. Like, what's your recommendation for me for next week? So next week, James, I did have a podcast lined up. However, midweek this week, I saw on The Independent that there is a new German paedophile involved in the Madeleine McCann yeah, I saw that. Yep. disappearance. And I thought, again, this is a really timely reminder that... Maddie is still not found. We still have no idea what happened to this little girl who went missing in Portugal. If she even went missing. Well, if she even went missing. And when you think about being famous, she must be famous for the worst possible thing in the world, which is she is apparently the most famous missing person in the world and she is still missing. And there's a podcast called Maddie, Mm. which is hosted by Mark Saunokanoko. And he's an Australian journalist his investigation podcast goes into lots of the detail around Maddie's disappearance. And I was nearly 30 when Maddie went missing and was well aware of the case as it unfolded. Mm. I learned heaps by listening to the Maddie podcast. Even just the artwork on the podcast really reminded me of this little girl with the different colored eyes. How sad it is that she is still missing. Yeah. And this podcast really, it's going to provide a good base knowledge for you, James, for what's going to happen with this German, this new German paedophile that they think might be involved in her disappearance. Well, it's interesting because I've only heard bits and pieces about it over the years. Like I've kind of never really delved into it too much, but I think the most shocking thing from what you've just said there is that this is a huge international case, so much so that an Australian journalist is doing a podcast on the Maddie McCain story, which you'd think is, you know, very kind of UK-based. Yeah, although we have the same queen, James. We do, part of the Commonwealth. (laughs) A huge thank you to everybody who's listened to the second part of this Undisclosed podcast. We really do appreciate the time that you're taking. The support that we've been receiving has been immense, so thank you so much phenomenal thank you so much and you can get in touch with us on twitter instagram or facebook if you've got any podcast recommendations for us we'd love to hear from you also so you can also contact us um, at our email address which is my friend has never at gmail.com and if you have loved this podcast please do remember to give us a five star rating on whichever app you're listening to us on it really helps apple boost us up
the ratings list. For sure. Just a special note this week for our listeners. If Adnan Saeed's case is of interest to you, our call to action this week is that if you have loved this podcast and you are really passionate about Adnan Saeed and his freedom, there are loads of ways that you can show your support. But one big way is by contributing. And I would just encourage everybody, if you were imprisoned wrongly, would you want people to donate to help provide the legal support that you require to get your freedom or at least to get a new trial a fair trial so please if you can give a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars or fifty thousand dollars or five million dollars which whatever your financial position please please go to that fund and support Adnan's fund to get him a new trial this is what we would want people to do for us right so let's do this let's get Adnan a new trial We'd like to say a big thank you to Rabia Chowdhury, Colin Miller and Susan Simpson for letting us use original content. You guys are my heroes. Keep fighting the good fight. As always, a huge thank you to MJ of Multidesign for our music production. All right, James, I'll talk to you on the other side. Talk to you on the other side, buddy. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. Just want to give you guys a heads up. Please stay tuned as we have some very exciting news that we will be releasing on next week's show. So Very exciting. <laughs> so stay tuned. We have our big announcement coming next week. And you're going to love it. You are going to love it. Love ba, it. Ba, ba, ba.